Hi, everybody. Once again, welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, a podcast coming to you from the New England Cannabis Convention. Yes, some say you've died and gone to heaven when you walk into this convention because not only do you get a waft of the cannabis odor, but you also look around and you see incredible amounts of vendors and people just so inquisitive about this new cannabis industry here in Massachusetts. And you know, it's a small world and you never know who you're going to run into. So sure enough, I decided to introduce myself to this booth. It was the, uh, well, let me put it this way. His name is Stuart Zakem. You might remember that last name because he is the brother of the late Lenny Zakem. You know, the bridge guy. And if you don't know what he did, he was one of the, the champions of civil rights in New England. He was the head of the Anti-Defamation League in New England for a number of years. And anybody who Lenny touched loved him. And Stuart, I guess there's a lot of a legacy to live up to with that. Well, certainly in Boston there is, for sure. It's a thrill to be here, and you know, the city has a lot of magic for me. Besides Lenny, uh, my nephew is running for uh, Secretary of State here in Massachusetts. That would be Josh. Joshua. And I went to school here at Boston University, so... I won't hold that against you. I'm a tough guy. It's okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> but this is about the world of cannabis. Yes. And it's a wonderful world that we live in. You lived to see the day, like I did. Yes. And it 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 just has been blowing me away. Just the growth of it, the, the different states that have had such uh, tremendous success with it. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, all right? And then we'll get we'll continue to chat. Sure. So I am part of an organization called the Marijuana Business Association, MJBA. It's a B2B trade association in all the legal states. We started over five years ago when Washington State became active, and we are about education and networking. We don't advocate, we don't lobby, we leave that to the public affairs people. We're cannabis people, and we like to associate with cannabis people, and that's really what we do. So we. We represent all people. This is an industry like any other industry that needs professionals, um, whether you're an accountant or a lawyer or whatever your, your thing is, you have a place in the cannabis industry. People may not understand that because they think it's about smoking pot, and it's not. When you talk about cultivation, all the resources that go into that between water, electric, power as a whole, and you look at the marketing and communications aspect of getting your brand out there, creating a brand in a world where there's no national place for this. So each state has its own rules and regulations. So what works in Massachusetts is not the case in Vermont, Maine, Connecticut, New York, or New Jersey, or California or along the way. So that makes it a challenge, and that's why education is so key, because people think, oh, I just want to open a pot store. They don't understand you need like over a million dollars to open a pot store. You just can't get into the business. There's an educational curve like in any other industry. And I reiterate this point because it's really important to get across as we professionalize cannabis. That's great. And obviously it sounds like your association is a one-stop shop to get that going too. I was talking to a young lady here at one of the booths and she's selling a product that enhances the bud growth and, and makes your your weed grow. And I, and of course, silly me, I compared it to miracle Grow, And she basically slapped me in the face because she said, no, it's not that, it's bacteria that goes into the weed and blah, blah, science, science, science. And I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and then across from them is the seed, yes. the seed vendor. And I said, okay, so how do you go from the seed to you 
to a flower to putting it in your vape pipe. And she took me through the whole process. And it, again, it is amazing when you look at the projections for a $2 billion industry in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts alone. And now with not just what's going on in the United States with the movement, and I say it's a perfect blend of democracy and capitalism, you look north of the border and Canada as a nation is going to embrace it too. And that is going to be a very interesting development because for the United States, because as we all know, it is located just north of us, right? So uh, if I were to want to start a business in the cannabis industry, how does even one go about getting a license? Because you know you were talking about that and I know you have uh, people on your staff that do that. Well, first you have to decide what it is you want to do in the cannabis business. So that requires research, like once again, getting into any other career. What do I want to, what am I good at? Am I, do I want to touch the plant or do I not want to touch the plant? If you want to touch the plant, then it's cultivation and all the ancillary businesses that go into that. If you don't want to touch the plant, there is a world that's involved you, and that's where the professional groups come in. Because they don't touch the plant. We need to do, there's certain, because it's not federally accepted yet, a lot of the things that are normal in business don't apply to the cannabis space. Biggest being, there's no tax deductions for normal business expenses. So you need to be willing to lose money for at least the first three years, and significant money. But the expectation based, as you said, with the projections for revenue, will make that a worthwhile investment if you can stick it out. But as I was mentioning, each state is different. The licensing, to your question, if you look on the West Coast, there's been a lot of mistakes that have been made, specifically in Oregon and Washington, where the licenses were like $10. And as a result, you had a lot of people who, well, oh, they're hot business, but there's also requirements to be in any business, the tax regulations. And so now you see a lot of businesses that are shuttered in the West Coast because their owners couldn't meet their requirements for taxes. It's not the image of the industry we want, we want to build. Just while, once again, we stress in each state education. Not only is it important for the people who want to be in the business, it's important about changing the perception of cannabis that is not in the business. That it is not the evil weed. It is not the reef of madness. It is a beautiful plant that has enormous benefits far beyond what people think about. And that's what this has. So it's got to be an effort to educate the public. Think about hemp. Hemp is not a product you, you get to get high. Hemp is one we live with. Buildings, paper, the, direct, the, de the Declaration of Independence was written on hemp. The Constitution was written on hemp. All the sails that shipped, that Columbus came across and found America, those sails were made with hemp. The United States, of course, made that illegal when, because, they wanted to isolate the industry and who got into it, which is, and they really use it as a way to lasso the minorities. So right. We talk about civil rights, yeah. and which is something, as you mentioned, my brother stood for. Yeah. The state of civil rights in the cannabis industry is a disaster. I know it is. And not only is it that they out, they get uh, incarcerated, three to one ratio. We know as many people white as white and black do smoke weed. Probably maybe more white than black if you think about it. Yet the blacks are the one, and the Latinos, and are targeted by the police. And even the police come to say, what a waste of resources this is. It's not always about money and my time, where I can be doing real real crime solving, not wasting my time on this. So one of the biggest things that come out of the states to go legal is they will expunge your record. 
Pennsylvania just passed it a month, and it's really becoming a big issue. Because if you're busted for weed, you can't get a job. There's lots of things that in your family gets uh, penalized for that. It's just a federal crime. Schedule one. So there's a lot of things that, as much as it's moving forward with accessibility, there's a lot of things that have to be changed to make it accepted by the, the public at large. You know, it's so funny. Listening to you sounds like me. Because I've said every single word you just talked about. I know the history of uh, cannabis and why it was a uh, considered evil right. when the Mexicans wanted to bring it into the United States. And let's face it, I think some Native Americans probably uh, experimented with this weed at some point during their existence as well. The peace pipe is and, weed. and as we know, the people that have money in the United States through history and were in power in politics at the turn of the century when they they legalized the wrong drug, if you will, when they allowed alcohol to enter our world and to um, allow it to be accepted like it is now. The fact that probably 90% of the people in America that can drink go home and maybe have a glass of wine, okay, on a regular basis. You walk up and you drive up and down streets in, in the United States and you see liquor stores every 100 yards. But the, the reefer madness syndrome and the prejudice and the stereotypes that exist, not just for the cannabis industry, but for people of color, uh, people that aren't like us, if you will. And it blows me away that this is still going on in 2018. And yet I walk into a facility like this at New England Cannabis Convention, I go, you know what? There might just be hope now that we might make a change. However, look at the racial composition of the you, vendors and, and the people here. Yeah. Not too many people of color, to your That's point. That's right. Certainly not too many Latinos that I see. Yeah. I don't see any Asians. I see a lot of white people. And, you know, we're the industry, and let me just speak about what's going on in Jersey, because that's where I'm from. Um, one of the biggest pushbacks we're getting in a legalization initiative is from the Black Caucus, because they are, they think they're going to be shut out. And this is another example of racism attacking them, isolating them, and they're the people who really bore the brunt of the incarcerations, and now they're not allowed access. It's not about, unfortunately, because of the way the world works, it costs a lot of money to get into the, into the cannabis industry. It's not if you're black or white or Asian or whatever. Right. It just means money. Right. And you have to have at least a million dollars to even play. And that's a, a lot of money to a lot of people. So there are ways, and I believe this, this industry is really about inclusion at the end of the day, that will allow other people into the business. Maybe not as owners, but as bug tenders and as electricians and all the other resources that you need. Security is probably the biggest issue for anyone who owns a store. And the measures that go through, so you need security. There's so many things. Background checks, all that stuff. Yep. But even back office functions, like in any other industry. Here, about labeling and warehousing and keeping your stock up to date. That's all stuff that really needs to get done. And, and the beauty about the cannabis industry is that it's going to present job opportunities to people. So people in our demographic allow you a chance to reinvent yourself, take your old world skills and apply, as you're doing, as I'm doing, right. take our old world skills and apply it to this beautiful world. And seniors, so many opportunities. To, and forget about the revenue, which you can't forget about. It's important. 
but look at the opportunity for job creation. If the current administration, as well as all the other states that are fighting this, would put aside their prejudices and what they believe is the stigma of cannabis and recognize what this could do to increase the profitability of states, provide services that they can't fund, um, they would get on board. And they will get on board. It may take a little while. We certainly have to ride out the Trump administration. But it could happen in three years, most likely. Seven, oh God! Do not say that. Uh, we're we're not going to talk about the Democrats. Josh Sakin for president. I don't care. Okay, well, anybody's yeah. better than what we have. I'm well, sorry. Yeah. And by the way, you can't get any further left than I am. Just okay. in case you haven't figured that yeah, out. Yeah. Okay, I did grow up in Newton, after all. So uh, you mentioned a couple of things, and I will give um, a little credit to the Massachusetts Cannabis Commission. They sat in on a couple of their hearings as they were actually discussing the laws that would regulate the industry, and I really felt that Stephen Hoffman, the commissioner, did a good job of making sure he was aware of exactly what you just talked about. And they have made a stipulation that they will give license um, preference to former incarcerated um, people um, that paid their price for uh, peddling marijuana when it was an illegal substance. I, I was actually encouraged to hear that. Well, New Jersey is doing something similar. And one of the things that we have the benefit of is learning from the mistakes right. of all the other states, Massachusetts as well. Um, so um, we're doing a legislative move rather than a ballot initiative. Because look what happened with your ballot initiative here. Yeah. Moved by the, by the voters, dissected, destroyed, and rewritten by the legislators. Lawyers. Lawyers. Lobbyists, whatever. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, it's still not embraced by your governor. I understand the Boston mayor is not supporting it. He's in recovery, and that's a whole other topic. They don't understand. It's the education. You talked about it. And that's what, that's what bothers me. It's what gets me so jones up that I said, you know what? I'm starting a darn podcast. Because people need to know what's right. going on. And the media, my friends, my former comrades, and my former bosses, I'll have you know, mm-hmm. are looking for stories to knock it. Which, which dispensary uh, used the wrong pesticide and, and tested positive here? So, no, oh, look at this industry. They don't know how to regulate themselves. I mean, where are all the positive stories about the cancer patients that have used it and have changed their lives? Where are the. That's what I think the media is dropping the ball on. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I have been actually advocating that strategy to help diffuse the, the backlash that we get on a regular basis because who can say no to something that can take a child who's been suffering with this disease that there's no, no, no medicine for and yet they start taking cannabis, not smoking, to get high, using the benefits of the plant to take care of their illness. And recently, I'm sure you're aware, there was a lawsuit uh, against Jeff Sessions by two families and some other groups, more of Washington, used to put from the Jets, and that two guys who are actually here. Uh, Tim Fox or? No, two, no. two guys involved in the CCA. Oh, okay, sorry. They, they're minorities, and yep. they were assuming that for the same reasons we're talking. Yep. Mm-hmm. The judge heard it, he agreed with everything they said, so said this is a wonderful drug, wonderful plant, has no bad issues, he was going to come back with a ruling, he decided to throw it back to the FDA. Right. Oops. Well, but nevertheless, what he said on the record right. was Positive. he was a federal court, federal right. judge, right. not some local guy, I federal judge. So there was a little, as much as it was disappointing that he didn't rule the way we hoped, he gave us 
ultimate ammunition to use when you have a judge making those statements. Once again, it's not going to happen immediately. Nothing's going to happen immediately. But look what's happened in the meantime. Look where we were right. and look where we are. I agree 100%. To your point about walking into a room at the Heinz, two rooms, two rooms. that are filled. This I've been at this show for four years. This is obviously the large. It's grown astronomically. Yeah. And that's because people have a real interest. It's not consumers. These are business people. Mm-hmm. Not a consumer show, there's some paraphernalia, but this is not a consumer show. Mm -hmm. You're seeing about extraction, you're talking about vaping, all these technologies and sciences that are part of what this industry is. PhDs, it's an open place for everybody, and that's what makes it wonderful. Stuart, it was meant to be. Lenny put us together. I really believe in that, by the way. I really do. I know you can shake, but I really do believe that. Um, Always one of my... um, favorite all-time people needed to say, and you know how many times you've probably heard that in your yes, lifetime. Uh, once again, tell us a little bit about your association, how people might get in touch with you, is there a website and stuff like that? Sure, well, there's two things. We have an associate, it's mjba.net, it's member supported, we are, um, it's not expensive to do, if you're an individual, it's $100, if you're a company, it's $250, it's not, we don't make our money that way, but obviously we have costs that have to be covered. But it's really, once again, about connecting, and we welcome everybody in any industry who wants to learn about the cannabis space. You can write to me at stu, S-T-U, at mjba.net. I also run my own public relations firm that focuses on clients in the cannabis space, and coincidentally, it happens to be called Bridge Strategic Communications. And once again, you know, as, as the bridge is named after my brother, because he built met, met metaphorical bridges between communities, public relations builds bridges between different audiences. We're the platform, the vehicle that communicates the messages, the strategies to different audiences. So there's a real symmetry in that as well. Um, but it means more because my logo, of course, is the bridge. And that's a beautiful thing. And Stuart, I really enjoy it. We're going to continue to talk, but you know, a good podcast has to be under 20 minutes. So we want to keep it under 20. And I so appreciate you taking the time here at the New England Cannabis Convention. You've been listening to another episode of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young from the New England Cannabis Convention.